please make it stop. It's Friday, September the 22nd, and this is the Dutch News Podcast, your weekly chance to catch up with what's been going on here in the Netherlands. I'm Gordon Darragh, Contributing Editor at Dutch News and Horse Botherer, and with me today are Molly Quell, Contributing Editor at Dutch News and Urine Correspondent, and Pell Peters, Civil Engineering Master's Student and Dutch News's Head Hat Raiser. Gordon, why are you a uh, horse botherer? I went up to Scheveningen Beach on Monday where they were rehearsing for the police horses for Prinsjesdag and uh, you're supposed to go up there and shout at the horses and make lots of noise. And, um, what bang. did you shout at the horses? Uh, I didn't shout anything. In fact, oh. nobody really did. Everyone sort of stood about clapping because they were being very Dutch and deferential about it. But the idea is that you're supposed to distract the horses. You're supposed to make lots of noise and chaos and they let off smoke bombs to show that the horses are completely unflappable. And if there was any kind of incident in Prinsjesdag, the horses wouldn't be at all worried about it, even though the people would be running about screaming. And the horses behave? They're very good horses, yes. They're exemplary horses. Yeah. So how was everyone's Prince's stock? Anyone buy a hat? Uh, I didn't get a hat. Did you get a hat, Molly? I didn't get a hat. But uh, Paul did come to my house wearing a hat. Did I? He did. <laughs> <laughs> like a baseball cap or something. Oh, yeah. Like I was wearing a baseball cap. Yeah, yeah that's okay. true. Yeah, Molly and I watched uh, Prince's Dog together. It was very gezellig. It was very gezellig. I brought Prince cookies. And Molly made... Millionaire snow dash shortbread. Yes. So it was very and fun. Did you have anything orange on? Or you had. A, you were wearing an orange shirt. I was wearing an orange shirt. Yeah. And my boyfriend had bought me orange flowers like two days beforehand, so I figured that counted. And the Prince cookies had a orange flavor kind, but I know Molly doesn't like orange. So. so you mean you scoffed all the orange cookies yourself? Yes. Yes. Excellent. <laughs> also this week, of course, there's been the fundraising day for St. Martin after the earthquake. And uh, how did that get on, Molly? They did quite well, I think. They raised about uh, 13.3 million euros for the victims of uh, Hurricane Irma on the island of St. Martin and the other Dutch Caribbean islands. The Red Cross estimated that 91% of the buildings on St. Martin's have been damaged and two-thirds of the houses have been completely destroyed. So the devastation there has been unbelievable. The Dutch Foreign Minister, Barrett Koenders, was in New York City for the United Nations General Assembly meeting where he was speaking with several world leaders and he also asked the UN to help with the relief effort on the island, urging them to act quote, quickly and flexibly. Um, according to Trow newspaper, uh, the Netherlands is creating a 260 million euro fund to help with the rebuilding. The fund won't be controlled, I guess, by the island's government, but by like a newly created yeah, Dutch body. Yeah, some kind of oversight body, basically. Yeah. Yeah. But there's been a bit of a row, hasn't there, between the Prime Minister of St. Martin and the Dutch Interior Ministry over whether the Navy's doing enough. Yeah, the Prime Minister of St. Martin complained that the Dutch Marines weren't doing anything on the island, which mm. the Dutch Interior Minister and the Dutch uh, Defence Minister didn't agree uh, with this, so they, uh, there was a lot of tweeting yeah. going on. Yeah, there was a bit of an all path on Twitter. Yeah. yeah, yeah, indeed, and I think uh, the Interior Minister went on radio to denounce what the Prime Minister said or, as, as nonsense. So they're not, uh, not on the best of terms as they start this joint relief effort. No, yeah. no, but I think the Prime Minister of uh, St. Martin, he um, corrected his statement and he, he said, I didn't mean it like this, and mm. he uh, he said they were doing a good job. They've said it's going to cost about a billion euros altogether yeah. to rebuild that the much. island. Yeah. There's still the question, of course, of whether the European Union are going to provide it. Yeah, because uh, St. Martin is a separate country within the Kingdom of the Netherlands, and therefore it's not part of the EU. Yeah, but, but the French portion is, because yeah. it's yes. an overseas French territory. Yeah. Indeed, yeah. So it's, it's officially part of France. Yeah. yeah. But Prime Minister Mark Rutte met with Donald Tusk in New York, and I, I'm sure they discussed this situation, and I just hope the EU will do something about the uh, damage and the devastation on St. Martin. 
This week we'll be bringing you up to speed on the budget and the coalition talks. We'll tell you about a Dutchman who was out standing on his bike while a lot of new bike owners in Tilburg had problems standing out. And we found out what happened when Amsterdam's women tried to take a stand against the city's public toilets. Our discussion looks at the pandemonium that ensued when a major high street chain store said it was scrapping boys and girls labels on children's clothes. Our top story this week is Prinsjesdag, or Budget Day as it is known among our listeners. On Tuesday, King Willem-Alexander rode to the Ridderzaal in his glass and not golden carriage to officially open the new parliamentary year. He addressed a joint session of the upper and lower houses of parliament in a ceremony full of pomp, tradition, horses and hats. The king delivered the so-called speech from the throne and announced the government's plans for the coming year, even though they had already been leaked by the Telegraaf newspaper during the weekend which is also part of the tradition. Mali, uh, we watched the uh, ceremony together. What were your thoughts on Prinsjesdag? I was disappointed in the quality of the hats this year. Yeah. I think previous Prinsjesdag have had better hats. Even though they had something to celebrate, so you would think now they would... Have some neat hats. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was disappointed in... Uh, I usually like yeah, Bussemacher, the Ministry of Education's outfit, and this year I was not that impressed. No. Is it because it's a caretaker government and the rules say that you're not allowed to have a hat that might be controversial? <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> Who is it? The Partij van de Dieren. Mariana uh, Tiemann. Yeah, she yeah. also usually has something that's quite outstanding, and I thought it was pretty... Now she had an actual nice dress. So yes, it's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it was a bit shocking. But I do think that there's such a discussion about what the fashion will be, and people were wondering, you know, and sort of speculating about what the queen was going to wear, and yet that managed to stay a secret. Mm. So I propose that whoever is in charge of keeping the queen's dress a secret is also responsible for keeping the budget a secret. Yeah, they do and a much better job of it, certainly, yeah. Immensely, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Alternatively, that could mean that then Fritz Vester tells <laughs> us five days before budget day what the queen's going to wear. Right. Or, or he puts a dress on himself. <laughs> right. That would, be, that would be even better. Yeah. That would be a good way to uh, celebrate budget day. <laughs> but what if this dress will be better on Fritz Wester than on the Queen? So, Paul, what are the actual plans of the government? The King spoke in a speech of a flourishing economy, and as a result, the government has money to spend. The government's total income will be 285 billion euros in 2018, and a total expenditure of 277 billion euros, which means a 9 billion euro surplus. However, that doesn't mean the government is going to spend it all. The government is saving money for the long term in the light of expected increase in, for example, healthcare costs. The cabinet is planning to spend more on safety and security, more money will go to cybersecurity, and extra money will go to the anti-terrorism division and special intervention teams. 6.2 billion euros will go to infrastructure and extra investments will be made in railways and waterways. The salaries of teachers of primary schools will be raised, but teachers have already said that the announced 270 million euro is not enough and they are planning to go on strike after all. It was also announced that the risico or deductibles will be increased to 400 euros but this was later reversed after protests in the media instead the insurances will go up now the entire cost for healthcare will grow with 5.4 percent to 73 billion euros in 2018 yeah and more spending plans will obviously come in the coalition agreement whenever that is produced yeah so if our readers are uh, interested there's a full translation in english of the speech on the dutch news site we'll link to it in the liner notes Now, the new government is already unpopular with voters before it's even taken office, according to a poll published this week by NOS, which found that only a quarter of the electorate supports the four-party coalition of VVD, the Christian Democrats, D66 and Christian Uni. Three in ten people said the Christian Uni shouldn't be in the government because of their strong Christian views on subjects like abortion and embryo research, while 21% wanted the Green Left Party, which dropped out of the coalition talks at an earlier stage, to be in the cabinet. The environment is also one of the main issues voters want the government to focus on, along with healthcare and 
and education. Meanwhile, the outgoing government is enjoying a late flourish of popularity. A poll for TV show Ein Vandag found 34% thought that the caretaker government was doing a good job. Half of voters approved of Mark Rutte's performance as Prime Minister, and an astonishing 77% backed Finance Minister Jeroen Dijsselbloem. So why is it that Jeroen Dijsselbloem is suddenly so popular? It's a very good question, and I presume it's because they didn't ask any Greeks or Portuguese what they thought. <laughs> yeah, but finance ministers are always very popular in the Netherlands. Even even when, when there isn't money to spend, they are usually one mm. of the most popular ministers in the cabinet. So have the polls changed much since the election, Gordon, or is this about where we were before? No, there's not really very much movement in the polls. It seems as if the voters have been quite happy to just sit and wait for the new government to take office. The FIFA have lost a couple of seats in Maris de Hon's weekly poll. And so too have the PFV. The first sign that the voters are getting restless is when support for Wilders goes up, but actually it's been going down. The only party that has uh, made a major movement in the polls is um, Thierry Baudet's for Democratie. They won two seats in the election and the polls now have them on seven or eight. But um, the, the voters of PVV are going to the Forum for Democracy side, yeah. even though Thierry Boudet is fighting the VVD and he says, I want the voters of the VVD to come over to my party. Yeah, but that, would... that plan is working out. All the people who are unhappy with the way the VVD are running the country who used to work for Wilders are now moving over to Boudet, seemingly. Now we have an update about Gerta Piening, the 23-year-old Dutch woman who was fined for peeing in public and contested her fine on the grounds that there are an insufficient number of toilet locations for women in Amsterdam. She argued that this constituted discrimination. According to Parole, in central Amsterdam, there are 35 public urinals for men and just four public toilets for women. The judge in the case ruled that the fine should be reduced for technical reasons, but upheld on the grounds that Piening could have used a men's urinal. The judge, I will note because I think it's relevant, is a man. In response to the case, a pee-in was organized and subsequently cancelled after it proved to be too popular. Catalina Hornstra put out a call on Facebook for a protest in which women would use the men's urinals on the lights of plane in Amsterdam, but after an overwhelming response in which nearly 2,000 people indicated that they would come, she cancelled it, saying they couldn't manage a crowd of that size. Instead, she's now calling for women to use any urinal and upload photos of the experience to Twitter and Instagram with the hashtag Wildplassen or wild peeing. I have no further comments on this. Paul? Well, I think it's ironic that this peeing was cancelled on the grounds that they were afraid people were going to misbehave, even though that was the point of the peeing, right? (laughs) I just don't understand how someone thinks that a woman could use a men's urinal and that this is going to be okay. Like, do you not... Has this judge never seen women's genitalia or understands how urination works? I would love to know how the judge came to this conclusion. And being a Dutch judge, surely he would have commissioned at least three reports from independent experts before he... Before he Including one from the KNVB. Indeed, yeah, which we'll come to you shortly. But yeah, which he lost all the receipts for. <laughs> yeah, yeah the, the judge's ruling is ridiculous. But I think she managed to uh, succeed in what she was trying to, to do, that is raise the awareness of no, there there should be enough uh, places for women in 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 public area to you know use a bathroom. Yeah, yeah. because yeah. there aren't literally no options for for <laughs> women. No, no. Yeah. and will the city of Amsterdam now come up with a design for women's urinals in in public? Yeah. Maybe the uh, the students at the T, or maybe during Dutch Design Week, mm. they can oh, uh, come yeah. up with that something. That is a great idea. Yeah. 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 yeah, I did see on Twitter someone had photoshopped a picture of a woman squatting to pee at a men's urinal and sort of showing because of course at the the men's urinals right the yeah. the the sides of the urinal don't go the whole way to the ground yes. so of course if you squat to pee then this exposes you to Indeed. all of the elements yeah. it was sort of emphasizing how uh, yeah. this is really really insufficient space <laughs>
In sports news now, Tom Dumoulin continued to single-handedly salvage the reputation of Dutch male sports stars by winning the World Time Trial Championship. Dumoulin finished nearly a minute clear of his rivals on the 31km course in Norway. He's the first Dutchman ever to win the individual time trial race, which was first held in 1994. And the Netherlands boasts the men's and women's World Time Trial Champions after Annemiek van Vloten won her event earlier in the week. So I guess it has been a big year for Dumoulin. Yes, he's, he's done pretty well. He's, well. He won the Giro d'Italia in the May, but he's the first Dutchman ever to win the, the Tour of Italy cycle race and earlier in the week uh, he and his team Sunweb have won the team time trial title as well so he's, uh, he's won two world championships and he could win a third this weekend when he's in the road race but he's not one of the favourites. What, what was he doing last year in the Tour de France? There was an incident. Um, he was leaning on the stage and then he had to take um, yeah, an unscheduled stop he had to deal with his, his toilet issues so uh, yeah he kind of hopped off his bike and then uh, did his business. Did his business. He, he can join the protest in Amsterdam I think. Did Indeed. they fine him for not using a women's <laughs> toilet? Because they know. should have. Well it was all on camera so uh, uh, yeah, maybe they still will. There was uh, a penalty enough uh, in that. Speaking of penalties, uh, a week in the Netherlands isn't complete without a weird penalty incident. What was it this time? So this week there was a football match between two amateur clubs in the Dutch Cup uh, called FC Lisa and HSV Hoek um, and they drew the game so it went to penalties but for some reason the referee took upon himself to order the penalties to be taken in a different order. So instead of Team 1 taking a penalty and then Team 2 taking a penalty and then carrying on that way. They constantly switched it, so it went um, ABBA, or the ABBA method. So Team 1 takes a penalty, then Team 2 takes two penalties, and then Team 1 takes two penalties. The idea being you don't have constantly the same team going second, which gives them an advantage in the penalty shootout. And then for some reason, after they'd taken ten penalties, at which point the score was four each, they then reverted to the usual system, and at that point Lisa won 5-4, but the result's now been in jeopardy, and both teams have gone into the draw, while the Carnfe Bay launched an investigation into yeah, this curious decision by the referee to change the order of the penalties. Oh, yeah. they're investigating this, but not the urinal situation. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> they, might, they might be doing both at once, yeah, I don't it's know. Possible. So this is the uh, the ABBA method, mm. not, not referencing the, the the, the famous uh, <laughs> pop, pop group, Swedish pop, Swedish combo, pop yeah. combo, which has generated a lot of discussion because there is some evidence that shows if you uh, if you go second that you're more likely to uh, to win the penalty. So was it was this just a protest against the the traditional method, or did the referee just duck it up here? No, I, th- I think the referee just uh, went off on a bit of a flyer. I think he yeah. just decided for himself he was going to choose this me- method. But yeah, research shows is fairer on the two teams involved, or certainly fairer on the first team. To take the penalties, but I think unless he comes up with a convincing explanation, this incident could be his Waterloo. Yeah, the referee could take a chance and suggest that there are games we play, but that of course would cost a lot of money, money, money. So I think in the end, the Cardiff the Bears can have to say that the winner takes it all and send definitely Lissa through to the next round. <laughs> and I think actually the, the the really suspicious thing for me was that eight of the first ten penalties were were scored, which for a Dutch men's football team is an outrageously high number. <laughs> But did we consult to see how they looked with their shirts off? Because we know that that's what Dutch sports teams, male sports teams, really excel at. In very sad news, Amsterdam Mayor Eberhard van der Laan is stepping down from public duties after doctors told him there is no more they can do to treat his lung cancer. Van der Laan went public about his lung cancer diagnosis in January, saying the cancer had spread and that there was, quote, little reason for optimism, but he wanted to remain mayor for, quote, a little while longer. In a letter addressed Dear Amsterdamers that was published on Tuesday, he said that his little longer was now over. On Wednesday evening, around a thousand people packed into Amsterdam's Herengracht to pay tribute 
tribute to the city's mayor. The crowd sang On the Amsterdam's Achrachten, said to be one of his favorite songs. His wife spoke to the crowd and thanked them for their support. Vanderland's duties are being taken over by Deputy Mayor Kasia Olenkren. On a personal note, I'd met Eberhard a few times during the course of my work, and I thought that he was a lovely man, and I wish him and his uh, family all the best. Yeah, it's very sad. It's a very touching tribute. A thousand people uh, went out and lined the canal side to, you know, to sing to the mayor. Yeah, that's very yeah, nice. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he's quite popular in Amsterdam and in the rest of the country. So our uh, our thoughts are with him and his family. Indeed. One of the tallest apartment buildings in the Netherlands is the West Point Tower in Tilburg. For some mysterious reason, the architect hadn't designed a sufficient amount of bike stalls. This led to a debate for years among the building's owners and the tenants. Where should they park their bikes? In the underground bike stall or on the outdoor car park? A decision by the owners association was expected in November. However, a solution to the problem became even further away last week when 300 inhabitants all won a bike in the postcode loterij, which uses postcodes as lottery tickets, adding hundreds of additional bikes to the already overcrowded bike stall. And of course, all these bikes look identical as well. Yeah, that's the problem, right? Yeah, that's one of the other problems as well. Imagine finding your bike among 300 identical bikes. I already have problems with finding my bike among thousands of non-identical mm-hmm. bikes. So what's the uh, proposal to solve this, Paul? Well, that's the question, isn't it? Um, this discussion has been going on for months and apparently it's not possible to find extra room for additional bike stalls. One tenant proposed to donate the Postcode Loterij bikes to charity, but some others already said they don't want uh, to give them away. And then the, the problem of 300 identical bikes comes on top of that. So we shouldn't be surprised if um, 300 identical bikes all turn up in the canal in Tilburg (laughs) in the next couple of weeks. I think so, yeah. What I want to know is how did an architect in the Netherlands not build a sufficient amount of bike parking spaces? I don't know. I I tried to to find the architect to to look if he's Dutch or something. He must not be Dutch. He He cannot be be Dutch, no. Apparently when they introduced the new trams uh, in Amsterdam, uh, they forgot to take into account the fact that Amsterdam has lots of bridges. So they, 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 ah. these, these trams obviously went over um, on rails and they need a kind of flat space. I think that's fine. It's Amsterdam, it's the Netherlands, it's totally flat. There's no undulation. Oh no, hang on a second. We've got uh, hundreds and hundreds of bridges, that uh, humpback bridges. Yeah. The trams have to go over, so they had to redesign the whole plans. Yeah, that's a very, uh, very important aspect <laughs> yeah, of minor detail. Amsterdam tram, yeah. a minor detail, yeah. Well, we'll be discussing the row about gendered uh, clothing in Dutch apartment stores after this word from our sponsors. Do you drive or ride a bike? Are you in the train or on the train? If you're producing text in English but aren't sure of just the right wording, M Squared can help you. M Squared is a digital publications company that can help you with all of your writing, editing and translation needs. They have a combined 20 years experience crafting the perfect document from editing books to writing website copy. If you need help with your website text, brochure, thesis, press release and more, contact them at info at msqrd.com. If you are interested in reaching an international audience with your product or service, you can email to podcast at dutchnews.nl for our competitive advertising rates. High street chain Hema caused a huge amount of ophef this week when it announced that it was abolishing the distinction between boys and girls in its children's clothing section. The announcement caused an outcry on social media among the sort of people who need a label to tell them whether a pink dress is suitable for a girl. Earlier this summer, a campaign urging parents to let boys be boys was criticised for suggesting that only boys like playing outside. 
So why is gender stereotyping still alive this year in the 21st century? And is Hamer's campaign a progressive step, a waste of time or a clever marketing ploy? So Gordon, how did this decision come about? It started off with a 10 year old girl called Yulia who contacted Hamer on Facebook uh, because she'd been to Hamer and she couldn't find any underpants that she liked because all the girls' underpants were kind of pink and frilly. So anyway, she wrote and said, I don't think boys and girls are so different. And she hoped that scrapping gender labels would mean there was more choice for everybody, which seemed quite reasonable. Um, and there's a little film that Hamer produced with Yulia, who's now 12, uh, explaining her, her reasoning. And we'll put a link to that on our website. So, but they only changed the distinction between boys' girls and uh, boys' clothings and girls' clothings. What I've done, they're, they're taking the labels out, so and they don't have separate sections in the shop anymore. And of course, they've already done this in about 300 stores. That's worth saying. They've got 700 stores across the country. Uh, in nearly half of them, they've already made the change. Nobody noticed, and then Hamer made an announcement about it, and all hell broke loose. Uh, and they said that what they've done is uh, they, they've done this because they're responding to customers' demands. Other people have been in touch since Yulia um, contacted them. They'd rather make decisions themselves about whether they're clothes, about what they um, dress their boys and their girls in, rather than let Hema tell them uh, yes. what is uh, girls' clothes and what is boys' clothes. So, um, who's unhappy? Other now? than the Dutch news commenters. <laughs> other than the other than the Dutch news commenters. Yeah. Yeah, there, there was a kind of wave of reaction on um, uh, on social media, on Facebook and Twitter. Um, a couple of prominent. Um, people joined in the discussion politicians uh, so Oki Telekin who's a, a MP from the the Fefe Day the Liberal Party tweeted this country is finished uh, we should say that she's the party spokesman on security and terrorism so I really hope she doesn't make a, a habit of, uh, of overreacting in knee-jerk responses um, and but, but yes yeah, so she was quite angry about it um, and Martin Bosmau of Kate Builders' Fefe Party he couldn't resist making it all about Muslims oh really so, yes no. how did you do this well he, he tweeted a picture of a Hema also sell headscarves uh, yeah Hema issue headscarves so he says, look, they uh, they don't have uh, he or she in the shop anymore. They don't have any Svarta Piet, but you can buy a headscarf. So sort of indicating that this was summarized all that was wrong. With yeah, but, the but, today. but man can buy these headscarves, right? Yeah, they I can think put, so. a, put them on. And, uh, yeah, no I thought I was going to buy one for you, Paul. Oh. How are these things related? I don't understand. They're not related to each other. Uh, they always manage to bring things back to, uh, to Islam. Yeah, if you're so a one-issue party, then... Your you know, one issue is yeah, going to be about everything. Yeah, yeah. And, and they have a 10, 12-year-old experience of uh, turning things into a Muslim problem. Right? Yeah, so, so they're well... This was easy for them. Indeed, yeah, this is kind of an entry level. But it is kind of... Yeah, but, but I kind of find it weird that the, the, the PFV is a party who are all who say that we have to protect Dutch culture from creeping Sharia and... Because uh, you know, one of the things is that we have equality of men and women. But when uh, a department store says that it wants to have equality between boys and girls in their clothing, they say, no, not, not, not that not type of equality. We were talking about a different type of equality. That's the wrong equality. kind of equality. Yeah, yeah no, not equality for, for yeah, it should be equality for Muslims and nobody else. Uh, it's also very ironic that the favorite day, a liberal party, is criticizing a company's decision on how they are selling their products. Exactly. Again, we have the party that is traditionally the party of the free market. Let the let businesses do what they like. That's how the economy flourishes. But of course, when the free market comes out with a decision that they disagree with, all of a sudden they turn on them and, and, and then criticise and say this is a terrible thing, it's undermining our culture. But I think generally just how fragile do you need to be and how, you know, what kind of low opinions you need to have of your own culture to think that the whole thing is going to come crashing down because a department store decides it's not going to have boys and girls labels in its clothes anymore. So Gordon, you were the only one amongst uh, the podcast crew who, who has children. Yes. Uh, so did you require clear labeling to know how to dress your children or to, to how to dress them now? Is no, that... 
I kind of never really thought about it before, to be honest. No, I went into Haymart and bought, yeah, jeans for my children. I suppose I bought them from the boys' section because they're boys. But I'm not suddenly going to get lost or disoriented because uh, there's no there's no big sign in the shop saying boys' jeans against girls' jeans. I think I can still tell the difference. Uh, I'm, I'm more concerned that Haymart actually sort out their sock collection because I never find uh, no suitable <laughs> pair of socks for my kids when they go around really looking. So if they can just actually clearly mark you know, where the socks are from the underpants, I think that, that's a much uh, bigger uh, priority for Hamer, uh, for me, as me speaking as a Hamer customer, than uh, whether they label things for boys and girls. Perhaps you should make a video send it in. This could be a stuff. Yeah. Did you require? I mean, if if your children went into Hamer and they picked something out that that was in the girls section, would this have destroyed their entire relationship with you? And would you have felt like a failure as a parent? Um, I don't know. That's never really happened. But uh, I tend to. But they don't really come shopping with me. To be honest, they're, they're not really big fans of shops. So I tend to decide what they wear. But they've always been very happy with it. Um, they aren't fans of Hamer. They are Dutch, right? Yeah, they are kind of Dutch. Yeah, but not, <laughs> do, do you think? Do you think uh, the the Facebook comments on uh, commenters on the uh, on the Dutch news Facebook page will boycott or? Child cut the Heyman <laughs> Yes, the Facebook commenters have been a total cesspool disaster this week, and I guess the world is ending, and this is all really terrible. I find this very confusing. Um, so I, I became an aunt for the first time this year, mm. and although I have not met the baby yet, I have seen approximately 10,000 photos of it. And if I did not know that it was a boy, I would have no way of knowing <laughs> that it was a boy because all babies look alike. So I don't understand why you need labeling in, in kids clothing anyway because who cares also i i don't as a non-parent maybe i'm stepping out of line here maybe gordon can give us some insight but i think uh, kids for the most part don't really care about what they're wearing it's usually the parents that care how yeah, yeah it's usually wearing, parents yeah. care more yeah what, how you dress your children and whether yeah and so and it's kind of a thing for when you buy gifts you always get some traditional boys and girls outfits yeah. and but you know as we know over the centuries the ch- colors have changed and switched places and you know it, uh, it used to be in victorian england i think that pink was for boys and blue was for girls so you know there's nothing intrinsic about this it's just uh, you know, people just don't like i think they feel like a bit sort of out of their depth when um uh, when they're forced to change their habits and probably it's one of those things that uh, this uh, i can't think when you actually look at the whole entirety of the social media response actually a lot of people are thinking this is a big fuss about nothing and there's a small hardcore people saying this is terrible this is late convict capitulation to the feminine Nazis and the Sharia's and whatever. The Sharia feminine <laughs> I think in general a lot of people actually are not that fussed about it. I just need to vent a bit of steam and it'll all blow over in the next uh, couple of days. Uh, well, Dutch people aren't going to stop shopping at Hema because indeed. it's Hema. That's so. the thing. Is, it, it, I th- maybe that's the other part of it. The Hema is the quintessentially Dutch store and yeah. because they're doing a thing that you know some people feel is uh, you know it doesn't square with their personal values or their personal shopping habits so they somehow feel extra um, offended or particularly vulnerable because of that. It's the, the most quintessential Dutch store you can think of. You know that uh, you know. The, I kind of think that the heart of any Dutch town is a drop counter in the Hema store. You know, it sells accessories <laughs> for your bike. You couldn't get more Dutch if it tried. So the fact that that particular shop is now doing something that some people think goes against traditional Dutch values is maybe a reason why they're so aggravated by this. But Hema, it's, it's not like they're going to stop selling like. <laughs> pink shirts or blue onesies yeah. or whatever right and I mean, you can still stop calling it a girl's clothes or right boy's clothes. you could yeah. you can go into the yeah. hema and buy for your neighbor who's having a baby a, a very cute frilly girls quote-unquote outfit or a super masculine quote-unquote boys outfit with a picture of a truck on it it's just not gonna be labeled as such i guess right that's the only difference yeah, basically, yeah. yeah they yeah. just change labels a lot of the clothes will still look like you know yeah pink and frilly and things that on the whole are gonna get bought by girls but it's just the choice isn't forced on you any yeah. longer and 
I uh, I heard a story about from someone who works at Hema, and uh, she was working there. And a customer, she uh, hold up a dress, and she said, uh, "Look at this dress and how nice it is. They they want to change this." And then um, the girl I know, she said, uh, "No, they already changed it, and you didn't even notice it. So mm. what are you complaining about?" And I think that's uh, uh, one of the key issues here. If they hadn't announced that we we're going to change it, no one. We would be having this conversation. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah indeed. I, th- I think that was a point that was made. That was a point that was made by uh, Inika Stalken of the Center for Immaterial Heritage, uh, which specializes in kind of folklore and cultural history. She said this is a kind of classic case of people like reacting with their hearts from the, their heads and yeah. just um, having. It's kind of an emotional reaction, and you know, when you actually stop and think about it, you you, you might respond differently. But I, uh, I think the, most of the most of the opeth is blowing off steam. Yeah, right? exactly. It's, it's yeah. build up frustration, and then uh, you have this very clear thing where you can you know ventilate your anger to yeah people sort of feel confronted uh, with a you know, decision that they they haven't uh, had any say or control over but even know, though but but Hamas basically you know, saying no do difference. whatever you want yes. that's what they say yeah it makes no I real... think that's a very Dutch uh, value so yeah. I, I really don't understand why no. why this would make you angry no I think it's the first reaction when uh, anyone sees things are changing in ways that they haven't uh, expected or uh, didn't decide on that their first reaction is to be worried about it or get anxious yeah um, then a year later then yeah, no know. one makes uh, any difference and i think it's interesting that <clears throat> that it is kind of on this kind of issue as well you, there's a lot of uh, angry reaction from uh, politicians and it's a bit like the Svartopit discussion in some ways and the, the, the way that Svartopit has evolved it's because there's been no leadership from the political sphere on this issue they kind of dragged their feet and made excuses in the end the commercial sector stepped in and actually they're now driving the, the reforms and, and the commercial sector yeah. had stepped in 10 years ago already yeah. they just didn't announce it I mean they stopped calling Svartopit part they mm. j- just referred it to, to, to the figure as Pete the, the figure changed from this aggressive scary character to a friendly nice uh, nice figure no one noticed yeah. uh, if you look at a tv show from 20 years ago then the sweater beat from from that time is very different uh, yeah. than the sweater beat from now uh, but no one noticed because mm. it evolved gradually and no one announced that we like if this if a TV show announced we're not going to dress uh, the sweater Pete with the with the earrings then uh, no one would have noticed. But if they do announce it, then then you get this opeth. So stop announcing these kind of things. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, just, just do it. And then, just yeah, do it, and no one will notice. Yeah, by the time yeah. people notice, it's already happened. And, and it already happened, and everyone got got used to it. it. Yeah. 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 So Gordon, you were talking about this uh, "Boys Will Be Boys" campaign. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about what that is, in case they missed it? That was back in July when there's an organization called Sira who said uh, that uh, boys were falling behind in school because their male qualities uh, were no longer being appreciated, and society was. Feminize, feminizing, although they, they kind of uh, went back on a lot of what they said initially because there was a bit of a re- reaction to it. Um, they were sort of claiming that boys learn differently by doing and parents should let boys be boys because you know, a lot of people responded by saying, well, a lot of girls like learning by doing or they like running about outside and women are doing more sports these days and haven't we kind of moved away from the attitude that uh, you know women are sort of precious creatures who can't be expected to do anything physical. Um, so I am a precious creature who cannot be expected <laughs> to do anything physical. Okay, that's just you. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's yeah, just you. Yeah. That's you being you. Yeah. We don't think that, that that's you because you were a woman. <laughs> so I'm going to tell and my boyfriend that I can't no longer do anything around the house because I'm a very precious creature who can't. <laughs> 
can't get my nails wet or anything. I think that led to a discussion that sort of reflected actually how society's evolved, and we don't really have this strong um, division between you know boys and girls so much any longer. And hopefully that yeah, I think it's kind of a good thing that, that, that that's weakening because in the past we've had this attitude that girls are they're 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 less ambitious or they're less independent, and that sort of feeds into things like workplace discrimination. So women are, uh, aren't uh, you know, don't get jobs at uh, particularly at the top level of business because it's sort of felt like they're, they're not going to be quite as competitive as their male counterparts and then we're increasingly seeing that uh, actually the differences between men and women are quite cosmetic and uh, you know there's no basis for having radically different approaches to education or, or, or clothes for that matter. I'm a radically different person than you guys are. Well, obviously, we know that. And and I require all of my clothing to be labeled to say, (laughs) even though I'm currently wearing both my boyfriend's sweatshirt and his tank top right now. But has he sewn a pink label into it? No, he's sewn no labels into it. As such, I feel like I can can wear whatever I want. Uh, Sorry, Niels, for stealing all your clothes when you listen to this podcast later. (laughs) So I saw one of the Dutch news commenters uh, was making the point that now what are we going to do about the mousias? Because, of course, like, you know, the Dutch tradition is to have these uh, little licorice color covered candy coated things that you serve on a a scout that are impossible to eat when a a child is born. (laughs) You don't have to eat it when a child is born. You have to eat it when the child is shown to you. No, I was I was as it was explained to me on the embarking, the the woman giving birth must eat it without spilling any mousias on the floor or the child child is cursed (laughs) i have a solution for this it's very simple Mm -hmm. so when when i went to the to the u.s earlier this year to to celebrate the the impending birth of my nephew that my brother and his wife had chosen not to know what the gender of their baby was going to be so we bought a box of blue mouches and a box of pink mouches and then we just mixed them together and served it like that and the world is still totally fine. That's for me. Yes, it was totally. It, it turned out it was fine. This is revolutionary. It's, yeah, you must yeah. be some kind of closet feminazi. <laughs> Are you a cultural Marxist? I am something? definitely a cultural <laughs> Marxist. Cultural mouse. Mouse. <laughs> So for any of the listeners out there who are aggrieved at the idea of not being able to serve the proper mouches, that is a, a solution. Also, they sell white ones. So if you want to go totally gender neutral, that's an option as well. It's a racial... <laughs> like, I can only solve one problem on this podcast at a time, and today it's gender inequality. Okay, we'll good. solve racism next yeah. week. <laughs> yeah. I think that anyone who is upset about these gender label things needs to take all the energy that they are commenting on the internet about this and go to their local, like, homeless shelter. Or, even better, tomorrow is Burindach. They need to go out into their community and take all of that energy and like do something really, really positive. Oh yeah, and then the world would be a better place. Yes, tomorrow's burn. And as well, we will put uh, the link onto Julia's film that started all this uh, on the website because she's a very intelligent and articulate girl. And if if you watch that film and you still feel angry at the people who foisted this upon you, then I think you really should seek medical advice. Yeah, good job, Julia. We are looking forward to your. leadership in the future because it's infinitely better than some of the leaders that we have right now that's all we have for you this week this podcast is a production of dutch news which can be found online at dutchnews.nl we'll include links to everything we've talked about today in the liner notes you can get in touch with us by email to podcast at dutchnews.nl my thanks to molly Quell and paul peters i'm gordon darach and we'll be back next week Who else is going to fuck that up?